0: Artists have been painting pictures of Jesus since the earliest days of the Christian church, and as a result, we all kind of have this generic idea of what Jesus looks like. But is it accurate? Is that what he actually looked like? Today on The Voice of Prophecy, I'm going to have a closer look. Stick around. I'll be right back. Well, welcome back to another edition of The Voice of Prophecy, which is one of the longest running broadcasts in broadcast history. My name is Sean Boonstra and because we are The Voice of Prophecy, well, we've been spending quite a bit of time lately going through the book of Revelation. Now, of course, that's not all we study on Voice of Prophecy, but in recent weeks, if you've been following along, you've probably noticed that we're going through the last book of the Bible very carefully. In fact, We're not even done the first chapter of Revelation, and today might just be the sixth or seventh show that we've already spent on this subject. Now, today I'm going to actually try and finish that first chapter. You might be wondering, when am I ever going to get to the end of the first chapter? That's probably going to happen today. And I think the way that I want to introduce the subject we're going to look at is to ask you an age-old question. What do you think Jesus looked like? Now, if you're a believer in the Shroud of Turin, you probably already know what Jesus looked like. I mean, he looks like the image on the Shroud, right? But honestly, there's enough doubt about that particular artifact that you can't really say for sure, that's Jesus. Nobody actually knows that. So I want to start from scratch and ask the question, what does Jesus look like? I mean, I think one of the most frustrating things about the New Testament is the way that it never actually gives us a physical description. Nobody says, ooh, here's what Jesus looked like. I mean, they tell us what he did, they tell us what he said, but they never get around to saying what he looked like. Now, of course, back in the book of Isaiah, when the prophet predicts the coming Messiah, he actually says Jesus wouldn't be particularly good-looking. He says, there's nothing about his physical appearance that would make everybody's head turn when he walks into the room. It's in Isaiah 53. He says, he has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. In other words, Jesus was probably pretty average. He was a lot like most of us. There was nothing about his physical appearance that would have automatically made him successful or popular. But, you know, that's actually all we've got. Jesus was average. Now, of course, that that hasn't stopped some people from claiming that they've actually seen him in a dream or vision. All you have to do is cruise the internet for a few hours and you will find lots of physical descriptions. Here's one that I found on a website where a woman says that Jesus appeared to her when she was a little girl in 1983. Listen to this. This is what she writes. I fell asleep and then I heard something so I opened my eyes. And when I did, I saw an image so bright that I could hardly look at it. I could tell it was a man's image, but there was no flesh. He was glowing, and he was perfect. That's the end of the quote, and that's pretty much the whole account. So, did this girl actually see Jesus? Would that be a good description of God's Son? Well, I want to suggest that it, it can't be. I mean, I guess Jesus could choose to appear any way he wants, but that description doesn't match the Bible. It doesn't actually make biblical sense. I mean, the Bible is very clear that when Jesus rose from the dead, he did it with a human body. He actually encouraged the disciples to touch him. According to Luke, he he ate a piece of honeycomb and some broiled fish. And you'll notice in that story, this food doesn't drop through him to the floor. Jesus said, look, handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. Jesus rose from the dead as a real flesh and blood human being. And that's the way he went back to heaven, and it's the way he's coming again. You'll notice that the Bible teaches that the Son of Man is coming again, the Son of Man. And that's because the second person of the Godhead has chosen to physically identify with the human race forever. I mean, he's fully God, but at the same time, he's forever fully human. So, I'm not sure what this woman actually saw back in 1983, but the fact that the man she saw had no flesh tells me there's something wrong. I have no doubt Jesus is perfect, and I have no doubt, given the description of God's glory in the Bible, that he might have actually been glowing. But no flesh? I don't buy that. I found this other website where Jesus shows up with gray hair, and again, maybe that's possible. But given the fact that Jesus rose from the dead with a perfected human body, one that is no longer subject to the ravages of death, well, I kind of have my doubts that his hair is turning gray while he's up in heaven. I mean, is it possible? Well, I guess so, I'll admit. I might be surprised when I see Jesus, but I still have to say, I kind of doubt it. So what does Jesus look like? Well, the truth is we don't really know. I honestly don't blame people for wanting to see Jesus, because well, I, I want to see him, too. I dream of the day when he finally breaks open the sky and comes back with all the angels of heaven. I dream about walking along the river of life and having a real conversation with him. Some days, I want to see him so badly it actually hurts. So do I blame people for wanting to see him? Well, No, because I want to see him, too. But, but let's suppose for a moment that Jesus actually painted a picture of himself that he actually gives us a self-portrait, a self-description. What would that look like? Well, the truth is that while the Gospels are short on physical descriptions, the book of Revelation actually gives us one. And it's highly symbolic, but it teaches us far more about Jesus than any painting or photo could ever accomplish. So I want to look at it in Revelation chapter 1. Now, by way of background, John has already heard the voice of Jesus, and now he gets see him. So here we go now. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 12. Here's what John says. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven, now there's the number of perfection, seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the son of man, he's God in human flesh, clothed with a garment down to his feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. So, it's not actually gray, it's white. But I I guess I'll give the website the benefit of that doubt. It says, His eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace. And his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance, his face, was like the sun shining in its strength. Now, of course, that's a symbolic picture of Jesus. He might have actually looked that way the day that John saw him, but every element of that description tells us something very important about who Jesus is. And right after I take a little break, I'll start to show you how those symbols paint an accurate picture of Christ. I'll be right back.
1: Hello, I'm Jean Boonstra. Do you feel as if you have more questions than answers in your life? Are you searching for answers to some of life's biggest questions? Well, the Discover Bible Guides can help you find the answers you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or call us at 888-456-7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions.
0: Welcome back to the show. You are listening to The Voice of Prophecy. My name is Sean and uh, just before the break we were looking at a very important description of Jesus found in Revelation chapter 1. And and just before the break I told you that every element of this description is highly significant. So now we're going to slow down and look at some of the big ones. I mean I I wish I had a two-hour show because I could probably spend two hours going through this material but we don't so we're just going to hit the big highlights. All those websites I found where people claim they saw Jesus, the descriptions were superficial. But I'm telling you, there's nothing superficial about this description. This picture of Jesus is so important that it actually shows up more than once in the Bible. Now, If you've been studying Revelation with me, you'll remember that about two-thirds of the language in this book is borrowed from other parts of the Bible, especially from the book of Daniel. So you might want to keep a finger here in Revelation 1, but I want you to look at Daniel chapter 10. Here's what it says in Daniel 10, verse 4. Now, on the twenty-fourth day of the first month, this is Daniel speaking, on the twenty-fourth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, that is, the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with gold of Uphaz. Now, that's a lot like the description in Revelation. Verse 6, His body was like beryl. That's a precious stone. His face like the appearance of lightning. His eyes like torches of fire. His arms and feet like burnished bronze in color. And the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. So, So there you have it. There's this companion description. It's similar. This picture of Jesus is something two prophets saw. This is something that God showed two different men separated by more than 600 years. And again, every element in this description is critical. let's look at it. I mean, first of all, I want you to notice how Jesus is dressed. John says he was clothed with a garment down to the foot with a golden belt. Daniel says something similar, clothed in linen and a golden belt. Basically, Jesus is dressed like an Old Testament priest. And that's because he's our priest. He's not only the sacrificial lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, he's also the priest who offers his own sacrifice. Now, you'll notice that the book of Revelation has Jesus standing with seven golden candlesticks, and that's really specific language. Those seven candlesticks were found inside the temple, a place where only the priest could go. And both Daniel and John are telling us something the book of Hebrews makes very clear. The whole Old Testament sacrificial system was designed to point forward to Jesus. And we no longer have that system because Jesus has come and given his life for us. Jesus is the real priest. He's the one who stands in heaven's temple or heaven's sanctuary in our behalf. He pleads his blood for sinners. And really, that's one of the most important keys to understanding Revelation over and over and over, you're going to find language and symbolism that comes from the Old Testament sanctuary. There's an altar of incense, there's the Ark of the Covenant, there's the seven candlesticks, and all kinds of other things that used to be found in that old temple. And what that means is that if you really want to understand Revelation, you have no choice. You have to read the whole Bible. If you don't understand what happened in the temple, If you don't understand the symbolism of the priest and the sacrifice, you are going to miss most of what John says in Revelation. And I think that's one of the things I find the most frustrating with the way that modern Christianity now deals with the book of Revelation. Instead of using the Bible to explain what John is saying, instead of allowing the Bible to explain itself, we go running from one sensational modern news headline to the next. We try to slap these stickers from the book of Revelation on current events. We say, ooh, this conflict is going to turn into Armageddon, and this political leader is going to be the Antichrist. But that's really an irresponsible way to study this book. The language of Revelation is the language of the Bible. It's not the language of CNN or BBC. It's the language of Scripture. And in particular, it's the language of the Sanctuary. Jesus appears as a high priest, the one who has the key to our salvation, the one who has the ability to reconcile the human race to a perfect and holy God. And Jesus appears among the seven golden candlesticks dressed like a high priest. The whole book of Revelation begins with Jesus, your high priest in heaven. It begins with Jesus, your one and only Savior. Seeing then, the Bible says, that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. You find that in Hebrews chapter 4. I don't want you to miss how important this is. Because Jesus is human, he represents us in front of the throne of God. And because Jesus is God, He also represents God to you. He is the mediator who stands between a lost sinful race and a perfect holy God. It's kind of like having a translator who speaks two languages. He bridges the gap. He makes it possible for you, I mean if you can believe this, you just the way you are right now to stand with boldness in front of the throne of God. Jesus is dressed like a priest for your sake. He's this all-important bridge between you and God between earth and heaven. And then you'll notice Daniel says he has a body like beryl, B-E-R-Y-L. Now, that's kind of a strange word, but it's a precious stone. And and if you're not a geologist or some kind of rock hound, you're not likely to know what that is. I mean, I had to go and look it up. And what I found out is that we actually have beryl right here in North America. It's just that we use a different name. We call it aquamarine or goshenite or morganite. And most of these stones are blue or red or yellow or white. Now, that's what barrel stone is here in North America. But in the Middle East, according to most sources that I've read, barrel is actually none of those colors. It's green. And you and I wouldn't use the name barrel. We'd probably use the word emerald. And that's something that actually shows up in Revelation again, Revelation 4, where John sees an emerald-colored rainbow around the throne of God. It's a green rainbow. And that means this is the color of hope. The rainbow was a covenant sign from God, a promise that he would never destroy the world again with a flood. And the coat that Joseph wore was rainbow-colored. It's a sign of God's favor, a sign of hope for the future. It's a sign of God's covenant with us. The rainbow around God's throne in Revelation 4 is green. It's an emerald. And Daniel sees the body of Christ the same way. It's an emerald. And why does he see it like that? It's because the promise of God can only be true. The hope we have in God is only true through the resurrected body of Christ. God's promise to preserve us and save us can only be true because Christ paid our penalty and then physically rose from the dead. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then our faith is worthless and there is no future. If the resurrection isn't real, then you and I are going to stay in the grave forever. There is no hope. But the body of Christ is beryl. It's green. It's the color of hope. It's the color of the covenant rainbow around God's throne. Because Jesus is alive, and you and I have a future. And I don't know about you, but that's the greatest hope I have. It's because Jesus lives, I know I've got a future. I know that all these people I've had to say goodbye to over the years, all these funerals I've had to go to, I am going to see them again. And all those relatives who went to the grave knowing that I was a lost man, the ones who never saw me come to Christ. I'm actually banking on the resurrected body of Christ to give me an opportunity to see those people again. I'm banking on God's promise to reunite me with those people so they can see that God pulled me out of the fire. You know, I actually cheated some people. They never actually knew me as a Christian. They wouldn't have dreamed that I'd actually end up in the ministry. So so I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to this. I'm banking on the second coming. I'm banking on the resurrection of the dead so that someday in the far reaches of eternity, God can take everything I've done wrong and make it completely right. The body of Jesus is green. It's a barrel stone. It's the color of hope. It's all the hope we have in the resurrected body of Christ. And then his face... The Bible says his face looks like lightning. And right after I take a very short break, I'll show you why it says that.
1: Hello, I'm Jean Boonstra. Do you feel as if you have more questions than answers in your life? Like, where is God when people suffer? Or can I find real happiness? And is there any hope for our chaotic world? Are you searching for answers to these and other of life's biggest questions? Well, the Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers that you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at 888-456-7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides. You can choose to study in the format that's most convenient for you. You may either do the lessons completely online or have them mailed right to your home. Both options are completely free of charge. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions.
0: Okay, we are back. This is the Voice of Prophecy. My name is Sean Boonstra, and today I'm looking at the description of Jesus you find in Revelation 1 and Daniel chapter 10. And, and just before the break, we noticed that Daniel compares the face of Jesus to lightning. And that's because Jesus actually reflects the glory of God. The Bible says in Colossians 2, verse 9, For in him, that's Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Jesus said, If if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Maybe you remember a story, I've told it many times on this program, a story from the Old Testament where Moses says, Hey, God, can I see your glory? And God essentially has to refuse the request because a sinner would be destroyed by the full display of God's brilliant glory. But what God does do is reveal his name, his character, to Moses. And then when Moses comes down off the mountain, his face is so bright, it is so brilliant, that the children of Israel actually had to say, Moses, we can't take this. Would you please put on a veil? Cover up your face. Now, if you go back and read that story carefully, and you find it in Exodus 33 and Exodus 34, if you read the story very carefully, what you're going to find is that God's real glory is His name. It's His character. That's what His real glory is. God's glory is not just some brilliant presence. It's who He is. And when Jesus was coming to the close of His earthly ministry, in John chapter 17, He actually prays, Father, I have manifested Your name to these disciples. In other words, He showed them what God is really like. Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead. Jesus is a living, breathing picture of the Father. All the glory of the Godhead is found in Jesus. And if you look at Jesus, you are looking at God. So, when you go through Scripture and look for other examples of a brilliant face or a face like lightning, Moses comes to mind, and there are other places you can find this in the Bible. I'd encourage you to look up lightning in the Bible. But it's the presence of God, it's the glory of God, and it's shown in the face of Jesus. Jesus is God in human flesh. Jesus is the best representation we've got. If you want to know what God is like, you look at him. So, Jesus' face is like lightning. And then the Bible says, Jesus' eyes are like burning torches of fire. Why? Well, the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, and that's in 2 Chronicles 16. In other words, God doesn't miss anything. When Jesus looks at our world, He doesn't just see it. He actually illuminates it. He casts light on the situation. I mean, He sees the world the way we see it. But then he looks at it further, and he illuminates it for us and shows us what's going on. He gives us the situation as it really is from his perspective. He throws light on our world. You see, the fact is, you just can't hide from God. You can't pretend. You can't put on an act and fool God. You can't convince him that you're something you're not. Now, That might work with your family, it might work with your coworkers. workers it might even work at church. But you can't do that with God, because He sees you like you actually are. His eyes are burning torches. He illuminates what He sees. And because He sees you like you really are, He knows that He's the only hope you have. And that's frankly the reason why His arms and feet look like burnished brass or bronze. It's because Jesus has been burned in the fire. That's what burnished brass or bronze is. It's been burned. Jesus has been burned in the fire. He's been punished in your place. I mean, just think about brass for a moment. How do you make brass? Well, you need fire to create it. And you also need two different metals. Brass is an alloy of two different substances. Just like Jesus is a blend of two separate natures. On the one hand, he's fully human. But on the other hand, he's fully God. And the book of Revelation says that his arms and feet have been burned. God in human flesh has been passed through the fire. Now, the the hands are a symbol of your work. Biblically speaking, that is. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. So, your hands are what you do. And your feet? Well, the foot's a symbol of possession. God told Abraham back in Genesis 13, Abraham, go for a walk. Whatever your feet touch, that's going to belong to you. And one day, the book of Zechariah tells us, the feet of Jesus are going to touch this planet one more time. And on that day, this place will be his. He's going to own it all. It's going to be his kingdom because he won it back as God in human flesh. He won it back by going to the cross, by allowing himself to be burned by our sins. The price of Jesus' kingdom is very high. He was wounded for our transgressions, Isaiah says. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. You see, when Jesus shows himself to Daniel and John, his hands and feet are burned. And we're the ones that burn them. It's you and I that put them through the fire. But the amazing thing, Jesus thinks it's worth it. He actually didn't think his kingdom would be complete without you. So John tells us that Jesus speaks with the voice of many waters. Daniel says he speaks with the voice of a multitude. And those are similar expressions, because according to Revelation 17, water symbolizes a multitude. Jesus speaks with the voice of a multitude and that's not because his voice is loud it's because he speaks for all of us Jesus stands in front of God's throne and speaks for you where you and I would stammer and fall silent in the presence of God Jesus speaks up I mean listen if I had to stand in front of this whole universe and defend my life the way I am right now I'd have to be quiet I'd be too embarrassed to speak I mean, if God was asking the questions, what would I say? How would I defend myself? Well, the good news is, I don't have to. Jesus speaks with the voice of a multitude. Jesus speaks for the whole human race. And if you want, He speaks for you. When I don't know what to say, when I don't know how to pray, the book of Romans says that, quote, the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us. Jesus translates. He takes His perfect life and mixes it with mine. His perfect righteousness, He blends it into my prayers. He blends His thoughts into my words, so that as far as heaven is concerned, you and I look just as perfect as Jesus. Not because we are as perfect, but because Jesus gives us His righteousness as a gift. He stands in our place, our great high priest in heaven's sanctuary. He represents you in front of the whole universe. And the one thing he asks, while he's in heaven representing you, while he's in heaven speaking in your behalf and getting the kingdom ready for your arrival, well, he asks that you speak for him, that you help get this world ready for his arrival. Jesus said, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. You find that in Matthew chapter 10. So, what does Jesus look like? Well, there's not a painting in this world that could ever do him justice. You and I will spend the rest of our lives, in fact, I'm actually convinced you will spend the rest of eternity studying the beautiful person of Jesus. And I know for a fact, you will never reach the end of that study. You will never come to a place where he's not fascinating and beautiful. What does Jesus look like? Well, he looks like God in human flesh. I'm Sean Boonstra, and this has been The Voice of Prophecy.
1: Hello, I'm Jean Boonstra. Are you searching for answers to life's toughest questions? Like, where is God when we suffer? Can I find real happiness? Or is there any hope for our chaotic world? Are you searching for answers to these and other of life's most challenging questions? Well, the Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers that you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at 888-456-7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides. Study online on our secure website or have the free guides mailed right to your home. There is never a cost or obligation. The Discover Bible Guides are our free gift to you. Find answers in guides like, Does my life really matter to God? And A Second Chance at Life. You'll find answers to the things that matter the most to you in each of the 26 Discover Bible Guides. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions.